Corey Gleed, a clinical psychologist, and I specialize in evidence-based treatment for anxiety, depression, and stress. And I'm Anna White. I'm a former Wall Street executive. I experienced severe burnout at one point in my career, and I discovered that it had a lot to do with my type C personality. Anna and I are here to educate people about type C traits, which are being pathologically nice, putting the needs of others above yours, avoiding conflict, always saying yes, and worrying excessively about disappointing other people. On each episode, we'll share personal stories and also strategies for how to live in healthier ways and how to prevent burnout. So we are so excited to have Dr. Elise Dobra DeMarco on the podcast today. She is a clinical psychologist who specializes in cognitive behavior therapy for anxiety and related conditions. She has a subspecialty in the treatment of parents who are overwhelmed by the stresses of parenthood. I think I'm one of them. And she wrote a book on the topic called Mom Brain. Elise has been featured in the Washington Post, Parents.com, WNYC, and lots of other places. I should say that Elise and I first met at Rutgers Graduate School in New Jersey many, many, many moons ago and have been luckily close colleagues ever since. So Elise, thank you so much for talking with us today. We'd love to just start off with telling us a little bit about your background, how you got into psychology and what drove you there. Sure. So I got into psychology because as a kid, I had two friends at different points in my childhood, one in middle school, one in high school, who were experiencing mental health issues and had needs that basically didn't go, weren't addressed very well. And sort of seeing this from a distance, I recognized, you know, wow, these friends of mine could really have benefited from talking to somebody who was not their, you know, parents who could help navigate them through what they're experiencing. So I kind of had that in the back of my head. And then when I went to college, I started out taking the prerequisite course for the English major my first semester, as well as psychology like 101. Um, and I had a really dynamic psychology professor, actually, uh, Peter Salovey, who's now the president of, of Yale. At the time, he was a psychology professor when I was a student there. And he was incredible. And he taught intro to psych and kids would get up at, you know, ungodly hour at that time, which was 9 a.m. to take his class. And I was just really interested um, in this idea that psychology was a scientific study, right? And that you could um, scientifically, you know, you know, have hypothesis, hypotheses for why humans behaved as they did. Um, in the case of clinical psychology, right, you could test out different treatments and see which ones seemed to be effective. So I was really drawn to that idea. So I think it was a combination of those things. I think it was having a really dynamic first, you know, professor who, who taught me about psychology I loved the idea of science-based uh, study of human behavior um, in the human brain. And again, I, I, I thought back a lot to my friends. And so, yeah, so I pursued psychology through college. I took uh, two years off to work as a research assistant, which many of us did um, kind of preparing for graduate school. I worked at that time um, eating disorder research unit at Columbia, uh, New York State Psychiatric Institute, um, applied to graduate school while I was there, went to Rutgers, met Corey. And at Rutgers, I, along with Corey, uh, started working at the Rutgers Anxiety Disorders Clinic, which was an evidence-based treatment clinic. And that's what really got me interested in CBT for anxiety. So you've written this great book, Mom Brain. It's a wonderful resource for overwhelmed parents. I also am raising my hand for an overwhelmed parent um, designation. <laughs> but talk a little bit about how this kind of became a specialty of yours and what are some of your favorite strategies in the book that you'd like to share with our listeners? 
So uh, when I started out building my own practice in uh, New Jersey, I'm in Summit, New Jersey, which is a suburb of New York City. When I started out, I started attracting patients, clients who were, I guess, by virtue of my age and stage in life, the same age and stage in life, right? I think they were kind of looking for someone who, who fit with them in that regard. And so as I was building my practice and building my family, I have two sons who are now 11 and 8, as I was kind of coping with new motherhood, so were all of my patients, right? So they would bring to me anxiety, stress, frustration, uh, you know, resentment, all these kinds of things um, that they were, you know, experiencing in their own lives. I was experiencing some of it in my own life. And I started to adapt many of the strategies that were evidence-based strategies for different anxiety disorders. I started to adapt those to help the moms with whom I was working. And I realized that CBT was a really, really good fit for this population of people um, and for myself, too, as I was going through all this, you know, all, all the, the changes that happen when you become a parent. So I, I kind of like happened into it, as I said, just by virtue of the patients that were coming to see me. And I saw it worked really well. And so then I thought, well, uh, let me see if anyone has has written about this. Like, has anyone written about adaptations of CBT strategies for, you know, young parents? And and very few people had. So I love to write. I've always loved to write. Uh, like I said, I was almost an English major and I've always had a passion for that. And so the more I did this work and the more I, I believed in it, I decided that I wanted to try to get it out to a wider audience. And so I started writing short pieces for parenting websites like Scary Mommy, um, some of the other well-known parenting websites at the time. And then it eventually led to my uh, writing a full book on it. Oh, and strategies. I'm sorry. You asked me about strategies. Yes. Okay. That's a tough question because the book is full of strategies. Uh, probably the ones I like the best are the ones I guess I would call out. I have a section, a chapter in the book about uh, maternal identity and about how you really can lose yourself when you have children. Um, things that were formerly like passions of yours or you felt you know, really defined you kind of go away and you're left, or a lot of people are left thinking like, well, who am I now other than mom? And so I, as I was working with a lot of moms on this issue, it occurred to me that values work, which comes from acceptance and commitment therapy, which is an offshoot of CBT, that values work could be really helpful for new moms to really think through, okay, what are the things that I value? How, what do I value as a parent? What do I value as a, as a worker? If, if, if you work, you know, what do I value as passions of mine and leisure activities? What do I value as a, a child of parents and so on and so forth? So the idea is to really ask moms, okay, you know, think about what you value in these different areas and let's start setting goals consistent with these values that will help you to really get back to who you, you know, you once were or the person you now want to be, which in a lot of cases is different than who you once were, right? A lot of us are changed sort of, you know, for good once we become parents. And so I really like that work. I really like helping moms and I do it all the time articulate their values, and then use these values to set goals and to make decisions. So that's one area I like. I also really like, I, I have a chapter in the book on social media and coping with social media. And I, I really like that work too. Um, and I think what it comes down to, it's a very CBT concept of like really taking a critical look at people's social media posts, right? At, at those things that might be, you know, driving you to, to distraction with anxiety or anger or jealousy to really take a step back and say like, okay, 
who who are these people who are posting these things, right? Are these people whose opinions I value and whose values I I respect? I mean, one of the things that I talk about often um, because I find it so ridiculous and happens all the time is like, you know, people will come, patients will say to me, oh gosh, I, I was, you know, got so anxious over this Instagram post that I read from this so-and-so mom. And I'll ask her, okay, well, can you tell me a bit about this mom? And what is very interesting to me is I'll hear one of a couple of answers. I'll hear like, number one, I have no idea who this mom is. So already I'm like, how are you taking advice from somebody you don't know? How could you compare yourself to someone you don't know whose life you know nothing about, right? That's not a fair comparison. That's one option. Sometimes it's a celebrity and I'll say, okay, well, like, what do you think about this celebrity? Do you respect this celebrity? Usually the answer is no. Or it's something like, well, I happen to know they have three nannies, you know, or I happen to know they have loads of, of loads of money and, and, you know, access to a million resources that I don't have. And I'm like, okay, once again, like not a fair comparison. Or the third thing I hear all the time is like, oh yes, this person, I went to middle school with her and I can't stand her. <laughs> and I'll be like, well, why are you comparing yourself to somebody who you don't like, right? Or whose opinions you don't value. As I often say, it, it's almost like you go to a medical doctor and you've looked at them online and you don't really respect their training or credentials. You think they're kind of a quack. And then you go to their office and you follow their medical advice. Like to me, that's the analogy. And so I really like that idea. And I really like challenging my patients and challenging people in the book to, to use those ideas, all of them to think critically about uh, social media, because it's the driver of, of so many bad feelings. So those are two strategies that I like a lot. I'm loving those. Those are awesome. I, I can't tell you, you know, how much I resonate with both of them. So as you know, we are all about type C traits, which are being excessively conscientious to a fault, overly responsible, avoiding conflict, hate disappointing other people, suppressing emotions, and this like constant facade of pleasantness and everything's fine. So would just love to hear a little bit about if you think this plays a role in parents these days being so overwhelmed. Do you see many clients that struggle with their type C traits? Yes. And I, I will say, I, I do think it is a specific challenge for moms because I think moms are socialized to be type C, right? To be overly accommodating, to put everybody else's needs above their own, to sacrifice all of their own stuff for others, to say yes to everything, to not show negative emotions, right? To always quote unquote, look strong, um, you know, or, or whatever. Yes, I think moms are socialized to be this way. And, you know, I hear all the time moms in particular, I mean, I'm, I'm certain there are dads that are like this too, but I will say it's in my clinical experience, it's a lot of moms, you know, who, who will come out and say things to me like, you know, a mom who say doesn't work outside the home will say, well, I, my job is being a mother. I don't have another job. So I can't possibly do anything for myself during the day. My job is to be a mother. Like to me, that is type C written all over it, right? Or again, a lot of moms who, you know, during the pandemic who were really struggling, appropriately so, and who would come in and say, I'm like exploding every night because I'm holding everything in because I want everyone to think everything's fine. And then I'm privately myself having a temper tantrum, you know, every night or every morning when I wake up, like, 
once again, obviously a type C issue. Like I said, I think mothers are socialized to behave like that. And so much of the work I do with lots of the moms I work with is to challenge them to put themselves not first, but on the list somewhere, right? And to consider doing things like saying no and asking others for assistance and pursuing things that they're passionate about, right? All of which is is very anti-type C, um, but all of which can really help and does really help uh, the women that I work with. And I'm curious, those are great strategies. A lot of them Corey and I talk about in our type C project. Like I'm, I'm very curious about what kind of success you see with women putting those tools and strategies into place. And when they do hit stumbling blocks, why is it? And, you know, how long does it kind of take them to, to get to a different level and sort of start to change some of the ways that they, that they operate? I would say it depends. I, I think it depends how entrenched these, you know, ideas or core beliefs, like we call them in CBT, like how entrenched they are. So, you know, for example, like I, I'll, I'll work with some women who say, yes, I, you know, I was really, you know, independent and and um, really focused a lot on myself and on my career and on other things before I had kids. And then I had kids and that really stopped. I want to get back to the way I was before. And, and that's sort of a, a, an easier, I would say, transition. Someone like I described earlier, who says, my only job is mom, that's harder because that person has has that core belief in their mind that their entire purpose in life is to cater to other people, right? And so when you're contending with that, it's slower going. It They change for sure, but it's slower going. And there is a lot of resistance along the way because I think in the minds of some folks like that, there is no difference between being selfish and doing things for yourself to benefit you, right? They have it in their minds that anything they're doing for themselves, be it taking a walk in the morning, you know, or having the kids get a carpool so they can go have lunch with a friend, whatever it is, that to them all reads as selfish. And so you really have to work hard on that idea that selfishness is different than doing things to take care of yourself and to support yourself as a person independent of your kids, right? And of your, of your families. Um, so for those folks, it takes longer for sure. But, you know, you know, I, I, Corey and I, you know, obviously come from the same background and what we do in CBT is a lot of exposure work, right? It's really about exposing yourself to things that initially make you uncomfortable, you know, but that ultimately lead to a lot of growth and change. And, and, you know, much of what I'm doing with these moms is exposure, whether it's, you know, exposing them to asking for help, right? Or delegating things, which for some moms, they don't want to do that. They want everyone to think they've got it all under control and they feel very guilty if they ask for help, right? So that's a form of exposure. For some moms, the exposure is like forcing them to set 30 minutes aside each day to do something that is purely about them and for them. Like that is an exposure exercise, right? So the exposure exercises are, are tailored towards each mom's, you know, individual difficulties. Um, but it's it much of it is exposure. These are all such great things. Um, I'm going to ask a, another question that's slightly um, similar, but related. You know, you mentioned, I think is so important, the social context, right? There's so much 
how we're raised, probably evolutionarily, how our brains work, and and tons of hormones that when babies first pop out are driving our bodies to take care of these really challenging beings, right? Like, you know, if we didn't have this intense sense of responsibility, we would be like, forget you, you know, I'm going to go relax and drive myself. And so I guess one of the things I'm just would love to hear your thoughts about is, when you are seeing, you know, a patient that is really struggling with letting go a little bit and thinking of yourself as important, when there's such that focus on the mom and you get so much praise for it, right? If your whole sense of who you are has to do with being a mom and being a good mom gets you a lot of praise, being involved in the school, you know, taking care of your kids a lot, maybe not from your kids, but just sort of feeling like I'm doing, I'm doing the best I can. How, you know, what are some techniques or suggestions that you work on to sort to, to separate that intense feeling of responsibility that they feel for others as their role and kind of forgetting about themselves? There's a lot, there's a lot to that, right? And so I think I'll answer it in a couple of different ways. So like I said, first of all, I think a lot of it is is very deliberate exposure work, right? It's just saying like, yes, I know you feel like you're being selfish. You need to do this anyway, right? And that's exposure, right? I mean, Corey, as you know. You know, I think another another thing that comes into play with all of this, Corey, is, is this idea of like, helicopter parenting or snowplow. I guess snowplow parenting is maybe more more what I'm thinking of, right? Like, what what I have found with a lot of these these moms with some of this type C stuff is they really they really make a point of doing everything they possibly can for their kids because they think it's their role, right? And and that is everything, you know, from a day-to-day stuff around the house to trying to smooth things for them socially, to interfering with after school activities, coaches, you know, directors, like whatever. And so that is actually a big part of this too, where moms can often, they can often struggle with this idea of doing something for themselves, right? But oftentimes if you talk about this kind of snowplow concept, right? Paving the way for your kids and you ask them, hey, do you want your kids to grow up to be able to do things themselves, make their own lunches, right? Navigate their own playground dramas, et cetera. Do you want them to learn how to navigate this or no? And like every mom I've worked with has said, oh, no, no, no. I want them to be independent. You know, I want them to to learn how to manage these things. And then I'll say, okay, well, then like what you're doing now under the umbrella of my role is to help everyone is you're actually preventing your kids from getting experience in these things, right? So actually this, this notion of sacrificing yourself constantly for your kids is coming at a cost for your kids, right? Because they're not doing things independently. So that's been one way that I've been able to hook some moms, especially moms of older kids, right? Tweens and teenagers, because they, they may feel very, very awkward, you know, having a lunch with their friend in the middle of the day when they could be volunteering at the high school bake sale or whatever, but they, they can get behind the idea that like pulling back is actually good for their children also. And so sometimes I'll use that, 
hopefully that, I don't know if that answered your question, Corey. Exactly. Exactly. As you said earlier, what's your value, right? Mm-hmm. And what's your goal? So if part of that goal is having more resilient self, you know, kids that can do more stuff for themselves, then for sure, like that, that can help them see this is not, a, this action is not in line with my goal. Right. And yeah. I add to that too, that I think there's modeling that goes on as well, where like, you know, the moms I work with will say, oh, like, like I'll say to them, like, would you want your kids to adopt this kind of attitude of like selflessness at all costs. And, and they'll unequivocally say, no, 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 no. Like I want them to pursue their own passions. I want them to, and then I'll say, okay, well, you got to model that for them, right? You've got to show them like, cool, here's mom doing this thing that has no involvement with you, right? And 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 letting them see that. And, and that is the kind of modeling you want them to have. It's really interesting. I listened to this college admissions talk for that my son's um, school put on last week. And this admissions director basically said, you know, parents, the best thing that you can do in this process is back off and let your child drive the process because your reactions to the various things that are going on are going to have a sway in how, you know, how they, how they, how this whole process gets navigated. And so I kind of thought to myself, you know, I've been trying to think about summer jobs. I've been trying to think about pre-college programs. I've been thinking about SAT prep and it's been a really hard thing. But over the past week, I'm kind of thinking, I'm going to, I'm going to put that on my son as the driver of all those things, because I drove that process as a teenager and I didn't do it very well, but (laughs) I became, you know, very, very resourceful in having to find my own job and do, do my own college research and all that kind of stuff. And so I think it's really hard for parents because the stakes feel very high, but at the end of the day, the skills that they learn can kind of outweigh everything else. No, I completely agree. Um, And I think, again, I think that's just a good hook for moms who otherwise can't think of doing anything other than everything for other people. Well, we talk a lot about self-care and what that means to different people and how people manage their own self-care. We love to ask our guests what you personally do for self-care? How do you carve out time for yourself? What do you spend that time on? How do you relax? How do you have fun? So let's see. I uh, exercise four times a week religiously. I stick to a schedule. I do the same schedule every week. If I have to modify it, I will, but I'm very, I mean, I'm a CBT person, so I'm I'm very goal-oriented and and schedule-based. I read a lot. I love to read, mostly like at night when my kids are going to bed, that's when I read. I love TV. So I watch a lot of TV. My husband and I are very into crosswords. So we do crosswords together, which has actually been a a wonderful benefit um, of the pandemic um, where my husband and I started doing crosswords together and have stayed doing that because we love it. I am fortunate to live really close to much of my extended family. So I spend a lot of time with my parents and my in-laws and, you know, our various siblings. I myself really love to sing. I have a musical theater background back in the day. So I've not done much, although I uh, think I'm going to I'm going to audition for a, a play, a musical that's next spring. But I it's funny because I brought it to my kids and I said, you guys, I, I just saw this listing for this musical. I think I'm going to try out. My kids were like so excited. Right. So I think that speaks to the modeling. Right. Like they're seeing mom do something in her wheelhouse that has nothing to do with them. And they were really interested in that. So, yeah, I would say those are my those are my self-care activities. And do you have any books that you would like to recommend, either fun reads or 
reading more along this genre, how to, you know, helping moms carve out more time for themselves or, or just anything really? You know, I, I have a couple, there's a couple of books that have come out recently of colleagues of mine who I, that I really, really like. So I'll recommend those three. So one is Jessica Gross's book called Screaming on the Inside. So she is the editor of the New York Times parenting section and is great and wrote a really compelling book, basically about the the expectations of American mothers, right? And how untenable they are. And so I really, I, I love that because I think it's it's a source of a lot of validation for a lot of moms. And they can start to, to talk about, again, these, these societal issues that have maybe driven them to, to be, you know, type C in the way that they are as mothers. So that's one, Screaming on the Inside. My friend Yael Schoenbrunn, Corey, you may know Yael. She's great. And she just wrote a book called Work, Parent, Thrive, which I love also, and is a really good exploration of how to work and parent at the same time and not basically not feel like you're failing at both of them, which I think is the case for so many working parents. Also, Lisa Damore, who's also wonderful. Um, she, yes, she's amazing and is as lovely a person like in real life as she as she comes off in her writing. She has written two bestsellers for girls, which are Untangled and I'll get the other one in a second. She just wrote a book that just came out called The Emotional Lives of Teenagers. And I'm so happy because my son's about to turn 12 and she's finally written a book that uh, is appropriate for boys as well. <laughs> Her other two were about girls untangled and I'm forgetting the other one, but let me see if it comes to me. And she is just wonderful. She also has a podcast called Ask Lisa and I love that too. The thing that's great about Lisa is she is, you know, she's non-alarmist. So she gives parenting advice that is evidence-based, that is easy to implement, but she's also flexible and she's not alarmist. And so I always, you know, there's so much parenting noise out there I think, I think, unfortunately, one of the, the problems with Instagram during the pandemic is like a lot of people started, put, you know, parenting Instagram accounts, some of which are great, some of which are not great um, and cause my patients to feel a lot of anxiety. So I always tell people, just go to Lisa Demore, <laughs> like just go to her stuff, like follow her on Instagram, listen to her, you know, read her books, listen to her podcast, because I think she does a really good job, like I said, of, of providing non-alarmist science-based strategies that make a lot of sense. Her other book is Under Pressure. I just Thank looked you. it up. Thank yes. you. Okay. I, was, it I was haven't read that one, but Untangled time. was a game changer for me. I love so it. So good. She's so good. I'm okay. so excited she has it. I mean, like, you know, I, n- not that I want to be gendered, you know, necessarily, but her, the other two books were really geared towards teenage girls. So I'm very excited that I, I'm, I'm going to be diving. In. I, I started diving into the, the next one. And it's, it's, of course, great. Well, I, I actually, I feel like we might need to have you on the podcast again, because I have like about five other questions, but we should probably wrap up for today. Anytime. I would, anytime. This is so fantastic. So before we wrap up, I want to say, ask a couple of quick questions. First of all, please, everyone, if you have not already read, go check out Mom Brain by Elise Dobrow DeMarco. And Elise, where can people find you? Or you have a website or where other places that they can get in touch with you? Sure. So I, so I'm, I'm at Dr. CBT mom. So D-R-C-B-T mom on Facebook, on, I'm trying to remember where I am now, on <laughs> Facebook, on Twitter and on um, Instagram. I will say I got a little bit disenchanted with social media. So I don't do a ton on social media anymore. And that was my own self-care decision, but I am on there and I certainly respond to people. 
um, who contact me there. And then I have a website, which is also drcbtmom.com, where once again, I've been a little quiet on there, but I, you know, intend to intend to pick that back up again and, and post more stuff, but certainly I can, I'm reachable any of those places. And, and I'm always happy to, to, you know, chat with people and, and make recommendations and all that kind of stuff. And are you currently taking new patients? Not at the moment, but um, as you know, Corey, that can change. So once again, you can feel free to reach out to me. I'm, I'm, I'm always happy to refer people if I'm booked or whatever. I, you know, I have a, um, and if you're looking for a CBT provider in Northern New Jersey, certainly, like I, I'm, I'm your person. I can, I can tell you a lot of names. But you know, with with SciPact now, you can really see CBT providers all over the country. So, you know, that's that's a good thing. So Elise, this was so great. You have provided us with so much information and I hope our listeners will really benefit from all of it and also go check you out your book and your website for more information on how to contact you. We are so thankful that you came on the podcast today. You're so eloquent and had some really terrific suggestions. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was great. So we really hope you liked the episode today. And speaking of liking, we'd love to for you to go on iTunes and put some stars on there if you like the episode, even write a review if you'd like to. There are a lot of ways to get in touch with us if there are topics you'd love for us to cover. You can email us. It's typectoolbox at gmail.com. You can go to our blog, typectoolbox.com. There are links there to get in touch with us. And also check out our Instagram feed. We've got a lot of quick hit videos covering a lot of these topics. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening today. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. It's not meant to be a substitute for mental health treatment. If you're having a mental health emergency, please dial 911. If you're looking for mental health treatment, please visit the National Alliance on Mental Illness website at NAMI, which is N-A-M-I dot org.